the last song is a real good lead in to uh, to where we're going today. Just uh, just want to start by saying I think you know as I was sitting there worshiping today, just thinking about the problem uh, that exists right now. I I believe in the church as a whole uh, and also at the gathering place. Uh, so let me include us. I think the the problem that uh, that we're going to talk about today. Uh, is is twofold. Number one is that we don't we don't know God. We we don't know Him well enough to to honestly from our hearts worship and be enamored by Him and totally satisfied with Him, and that He becomes that that He becomes to us who He is, and that is our everything. Um, you know, as, as I journey, as we all journey uh, in the Christian life and move toward wherever it is, that, you know, toward heaven, you know, toward our final destination, uh, I believe all of us are moving closer to that. I think God, is, it's, his, it's his intent for all of us to know him in a way that grabs us. Uh, I believe that's why, you know, the, the prophets talk about... Um, God doing something in us, in our hearts, taking out our heart of stone, giving us a heart of flesh, and placing his spirit in us so that we really are moved by the person that we are discovering, the character of God, the, the, the fame of God, the glory of God, uh, all of his characteristics that just overwhelm us. And, and so consequently, what happens is, I think the other problem is that we, we, all right, so we don't really see God for who he is. And the other problem is that because of that, we begin to dehumanize people. We, we you know, when we were singing just a second ago, what, what am I supposed to do with all my kingdoms next to you? You're the Lord. Um, I, I just, my mind went back to, you know, the first probably 20 years or so of my ministry. And again, moving out of that all the time, but, but definitely the, the first years of my ministry would be defined by dehumanizing people. That, that people in the church and people in the denomination and the places where I was working and doing camps and whatever, and conferences, those people that I was supposed to be ministering to really became a means for me to make a name for myself, to uh, build something. You know, to build my own little something rather than really building up God's kingdom. Why did I do that? It's because I didn't know God. I mean, I had a relationship with him, but I didn't know him. I didn't realize who he was in my experience. And so I think when we don't know who God is, we tend to use people to, to get uh, a name for ourselves or we use people in the church to uh, to get some notoriety or whatever, you know, to, to accomplish something, right? So I think those two things really are, are common in church and common for us. I was reading this past week. I, I didn't plan to read this today, but I want to pull it out. There was a devotion that I read this past week that deals with the first issue of knowing God, really knowing him and, and being in, enamored with him. And this was a John Piper quote this past week from one of his devotionals. He said, It is scarcely possible 
to overemphasize the centrality of the fame of God in motivating the mission of the church. It's scarcely possible uh, it is scarcely possible to overemphasize the centrality of the fame of God in motivating the mission of the church. So that statement for dummies like me is our mission. Uh, you know, it's our motivation. You know, one of our distinctives of our church is our motivation is the, the grace and character of God. That's, that, that is one of, the few, one of the six statements that defines us as a church. One of the six things that God, when he gave us our distinctives, this is one of the things that God wanted us to be about, and that is that we, we it's the fame of God. It's the glory of God, the character of God, the person of God that motivates everything that we do. And so this, today I want to talk about uh, just a, a short portion of Scripture in chapter 13 of Exodus, verses 17 through the end of the chapter before Israel moves into the promised land. I want to talk about those things. I want us to digest those things because in I, and to, today's message, I, I titled it uh, Setting People Free. Right? People's in all caps. We've been talking about setting people free, but I want to remind us that what we're doing with God, we see ourselves in this story as a part of, of as in Moses' place. Uh, setting people free, being used by God, joining God to do whatever's necessary to set people free. So we've been trying to stay focused on our role, but I want to remind us of something that we're going to see in the text today. And that is that God is setting people free. It's about the people. You know, for years, again, for me, I, I dehumanized people. And people, in the task became the focus. I just want to have a, another successful something. I want to be, I want to have another uh, uh, huge amount of people involved in a something. I want to take it, I want to, I want to step up the ladder to another position and, and you people can help me to do that. So let's, let's, you know, come on, show up and let's do this together. And it worked. But, you know, when I got to what success was defined, uh, how sex, success had been defined in my, in my mind, when I got to that point of reaching success, I didn't know God and I had used people. So today we're going to see in the text a reminder that God is about the people. All right, let's look at it together. In Exodus chapter 13, I want to read verses 17 to 22. So when Pharaoh, uh, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, let, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. 
And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud and, and led them along the way, uh, to lead them along the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of the cloud by day and the pillar of the fire uh, by night did not depart from the people. All right, first of all, I just want to stop with the first phrase. And I want to focus on a couple of things. The first phrase of this passage in verse 17 says, When Pharaoh let the people go. Let's pause for a minute and not miss the God-exclusive activity. God is accomplishing what he said he would do. God is faithful to his word. And we need to recognize that. That when God says something, when God said, I'm going to set my people free, then God follows through with what he says. When God gives a word about setting someone free, then God accomplishes that. Remember how the story began. Look at, look at it in chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. Then the Lord said, I have, surely, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of, the, out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place, to a place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites and Perizzites, the Hivites and Jebusites, all the otherites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, first of all, God said he was going to do it, and he's doing it. I don't think we need to, 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 pass, to move past that phrase without recognizing this. That if we're going to join God to set people free, which is what he's calling us to do, if we're going to be a part of God delivering people, both from the bondage of sin and the bondage of legalism in this town and the people that are around us, if we're going to join him in that, we need to know that when God says he's going to do something, he does it. Now, how does that apply to us? Well, I think, first of all, it applies because uh, when, when we need to ask the Lord or follow the Lord's leading to the people that he puts around us. If, if God intends to bring someone to himself who works around you, who goes to school or you go to school or who lives in your neighborhood or goes to your coffee shop or whatever it is. If God's, God wants to bring someone to himself and we're going to join him in setting those people free, then we need to pay attention to who God is setting free. I can't tell you how, how, uh, how many times it has, uh, this has happened to me that God has made it so blatantly obvious that there's a person that he wants to use me to touch. It's so clear. He does the work. He draws them in. He brings, brings me to them. And, and when that happens, uh, I, I recognize that God is saying something. That God is saying, I'm going to bring that person out of bondage. I get excited when that happens, man, about joining God to, to do something when I know that God is speaking that he's going to do something. And then also to ask God, to, to be intentional in asking God, God, who do you want to bring to yourself? Who is it that, that I can be a part of 
sharing you with, who you intend to bring to yourself. Now, I don't believe that, that God never, uh, that there's never a time when God brings us to someone to share our faith uh, and that they're not going to be saved. I think there's still times that God brings us to people and they're, they're, God intends to do something in us or in the moment or through that uh, encounter uh, that the time that we share, they may not be coming to him. But for in my experience, probably 99 or 98% of the time, when, when God is drawing me to share the message of Christ, the gospel with someone, they're saved. And it's not because I'm good at sharing it. It's because I'm, I'm not just going from place to place, knocking on random doors with the intention of building my kingdom up anymore. But now what I'm trying to do is lift Christ up, even in, in the sharing of the gospel with people. Jesus did that. Jesus said, I do nothing on my own. And when he was talking about uh, share, sharing the, uh, the gospel message or about evangelism, he said in John 6, that no one can come to me unless the Father draws them. And so one of the things that Jesus did is he watched to see who the Father was drawing and, and he adjusted his life to that. And when Jesus shared the gospel, most of the time, only a couple that we know of where it didn't happen, when he shares the gospel with individuals that are brought to him by God, they receive the message of Christ. They receive him as, as Savior and their lives are transformed. So we need to recognize, first of all, that God does what he says he's going to do. When God starts something, he finishes it. And so trust him for that. I think also what it speaks to for us is that we need to, uh, as we're following God's leading in the beginning, a relationship with someone who needs the Lord, needs to be brought out of bondage, that we trust in the Lord and we depend on the Lord through the whole process. We don't have to hurry things up. We don't have to quickly get through the, uh, to, to the gospel. In fact, we can relax and bless people waiting on the Lord to do his work because God is going to complete what he does in people's lives. But also in this passage and in this statement, again, Pharaoh is letting the people go. Today's passage, I think, reminds us that God is setting people free. The Exodus story is all about God. In the passage in chapter 3 we just read, it's all about God loving people. It's all about God hearing people. It's all about God seeing his people. It's all about God freeing his people. It's all about God blessing his people. God's intent is to be in relationship with his people. God cares about people. He's not task-oriented. He's people-oriented. He's not like I was. He's like I want to be. I want God to, to love through me. I want him to care through me. He saw the people. He heard the people. He committed to free the people. He committed to bless the people in chapter 3. So God said it, and God is showing us his character, how much he loves the people. And I just want to say to us again at the Galvin Place, we should know this, but I can tell you I get off track. I get off target sometimes. Um, I've had, some, had to return to this recently. Be reminded that the call of God on my life is to set people free. It's, not, it's to set people free. It's not to build a church. 
It's not to start another church in another location. It's not to go overseas and do something in Romania and, and Honduras. Those are tasks that are part of what God's called me to do. Those tasks are being, will be used by God. And I'm going to follow him in every one of those plans and hope that you will too. But we need to remember that God's about people. Every person matters. Every person that God brings in our life is, is of value to God. And we've been blessed already. We've, we've already been seen by God. We've been, we've been heard by God. We've been freed by God. We've been blessed by God. We've already experienced that. And now we have that to give to others. And God wants to use us to free others. He sees people all around us. He sees them. He hears them. He hears the cries of the people that are all around you where you live and work. And he sees their oppression and he loves them enough to draw them out and set them free. And he wants to use us to do it. Y'all with me? We need to join God and recognize that God is all about the people. God's going to do what he said to draw those people in. He's going to draw them uh, through his word. Uh, you know, Scripture's clear about that, that, that there's no one that's righteous, no one seeks God in order for that to happen. He has to do that, and he will reveal to us in different ways who he's drawing. And it's our job to join him in that and testify when he gives us the opportunity. As the text continues, we're going to see more evidence that God is all about the people. Look at verses 17 and 18 again. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, let the people, uh, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. God cares enough about people that he leads them all the way out of bondage. He's doing it. Sometimes, uh, you know, he, it's, we share the gospel and someone gets uh, saved, but we don't lead them out of bondage. We leave them in bondage. If we dehumanize people and we're just sharing the gospel and we're trying to get another notch in our belt, then what happens is when someone's saved, we just leave them in their bondage. I, I know that it's difficult. There, there have been many people in my, in my time, in my life, where I've wanted to give up on those people trying to bring them all the way out of bondage and into the place of blessing in the promised land. But it's easy. Once they make a decision and we get them baptized and we can put, their, their, put them down as a number, it's easy to just leave the people that are hard to take out of bondage, just leave them and let them figure it out on their own. Right? God's not like that. God cares about people. He cares about them enough to take them all the way out of bondage. And, and, and he's, he's doing what's necessary to help them in this moment, to, to help them not give up. He knew Israel. He knew their faith was small. He knew that they, uh, were, they left hesitantly. I mean, we saw the whole scenario in Egypt and all that happened and their they're fighting and whining and complaining. We know the rest of the story that that whining and complaining is not stopping. But here's what God does. He cares about Israel. You know, it's, it's mind-boggling at times to think, God, why don't you just, just smush them and start over? You know, wh why don't you just kill that batch 
and get you another batch that will follow you. God loves people. He cares about people. And God meets them where they are. And he moves ahead of them trying to set things up so that they won't turn back and go back into bondage. The Philistines, the way to get to the promised land, the quickest way is to go right through the Philistines' territory. But God knew. He said, no, it's about these people. And these people, where they are right now in their faith, if they go and see the Philistines, they're out. They're going right back to Egypt. And so God led them away uh, from the Philistines toward the Red Sea. And they were going to go the long way. God cares enough about people that he, he will meet them where they are in their faith. He's going to meet them where they are and He's going to protect them. And we need to be a part of that process. We need to allow God to use us, uh, not just leave people in their bondage, but, but help them to realize what's coming down the road. You know, share our own stories of, of failures and success. You know, share the stories that help them to see, hey, this is what happened to me whenever I was became a believer when I was first coming out of bondage to legalism here's what happened to me and I just want to warn you that these things are coming maybe you should go this way don't go into the land of the Philistines one of the things that I recognized early on in the gathering place ministry was there when when someone uh, it happened a couple times at Louisiana College where professors came to LC and they had skills to be able to serve in an interim position in a church and they would take whatever church position they that was offered honestly probably to make a little extra jack right because people got to live babies got to eat so making a little extra money and they were trying to embrace the concepts of abiding and and uh and the concept of grace and they're going every sunday into the philistines territory and their minds are getting twisted and turned and they couldn't embrace the the idea of who god really was they couldn't embrace the idea of what it really meant to be a disciple of Christ and just to abide in Him because they had a contradiction every week in their, in their church service. I think that's an example. So what, what we try to do is always just to say, look, I know you need the money, but why don't you pray about coming and being a part of this congregation, being a part of this church. It sounds like God's calling you and you're like-minded and I just want to encourage you, this is the place to be. Don't go back into the Philistine territory. That's the enemy's territory, and he will eat you alive. He's good at it. You know, Jesus called it the yeast of the Pharisees for a reason, because it gets inside the leaven, uh, it, it gets inside the lump of dough, and it leavens it all. It spreads out, and we got to help people to get free, and and not free them up in the way of salvation, or teaching them a little bit about grace, and then letting them walk back into bondage again. God cares enough about people to lead them all the way out of bondage. He doesn't stop caring about people after they're free. Also, God cares enough about people that he protects them from the enemy until their faith grows. And we need to also be the kind of people, if we're going to join God, to do the same. Get them all the way out of bondage. Another thing that comes out of this story is in verse 19. Moses took the bones of Joseph, Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. Now this might seem like an insignificant statement, 
But there is some significance here and some significance for us. There's a lot of significance here uh, culturally, but there's some significance, I think, for us. I believe what God was doing through this uh, was he was, he was strengthening the faith of those weak disciples who are those weak uh, children that were coming out of bondage. It was, a, it was a, a statement of faith for Joseph to believe that Israel was going to make it to the promised land. So much so that he said, take my bones with you. I know you're going to get there. Surely God's going to visit you. He's going to get you to the promised land. Take my bones with you. Pay attention to how God will put you together with people who need stories of faith. When their faith is small, they need stories of faith to, to move them forward. We know this is a story of faith for Moses. I mean, for Joseph. In Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter, it says this about Joseph in verse 22. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of, Israel, of the Israelites and gave direction concerning his bones. It was a faith, it was a, a huge step of faith for Joseph to believe that in their in the, a time of famine, having to move into Egypt, out of their own country, into Egypt to be taken care of, that Joseph said, with absolute faith, you're going to make it to the promised land. And so as they're starting to doubt, they have the actual bones and the stories that go with the bones to say, Joseph believed this. We, they held Joseph up as a man of faith, obviously. He was, a, he was, he was the man for them. And, and if Joseph believed it, then we can believe it. They were borrowing some faith from a dead man. And we're not dead. We have stories to tell. But I think people sometimes need to borrow our faith. Sometimes they need to, to have you say, yes, this is absolutely going to happen. Trust it. Stay with it. Continue to walk in the plan that God has for you. This is truth. If we're going to free people up, I think we, sometimes we need to uh, listen to the Lord as he allows us to share our stories. Stories make so much difference. I've told you all this. Uh, you know, tomorrow, uh, Zach is going to be putting some of his stories on, um, uh, on video. Uh, I invite any of you that can do this tomorrow to get with Hannah. She's going to video some of our stories because stories make all the difference. I'm already realizing as I go into existing situations, existing churches, that what's going to be, what it's going to take to get some of these people out of bondage to the legalism that they're bound to right now is that they're going to need the stories of, of people who are experiencing God at a new level, who are really coming to know God by experience through obedience. We need those stories. We need somebody to, to say, when I first really understood the grace of God, this is what happened in my heart. My whole life was transformed by that. It was like being saved again. You know, we, need, we need those stories, those the stories that you, that you guys have already shared with each other and we talk about in life groups, but we need those stories as we go forward for those people who are having a hard time coming out of bondage. So two, two things I would say to you. Number one is, get you some stories. Chris Draper gave me one this past week, man. Fired me up. Uh, Chris and Soul... Uh, have been blessed by the Lord, following the Lord's will, and God's provided for them in a, in a miraculous way. What a great story to tell. People need to know that, that God is real and personal, that he's, that he's not uh, just relig dead religion.
particularly in today's world, they need to hear that. If you've been through some struggles and you've come out of those struggles, man, that's a great tool for God to use. Remember what Jesus told Simon Peter in uh, Luke chapter 22. He said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. Now, what is Jesus praying for, for Peter? I'm praying for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. When we fall spiritually, when we, some of you are like me. I mean, I have, I hate to have to tell the stories. I really, this morning, tears came in my eyes. I was thinking about how I was building my own kingdom for so many years. It's tragic, but I'm going to use those stories. My goal is to use those stories to encourage people. Because I have, I was able to grow in my faith. And now I'm at a different place. So use your stories. The last thing is God cares enough about people also that he continues to lead those. As they come out of bondage, he continues to lead them. Look at uh, verses 20 and 22, through 22. They moved from Succoth to, uh, and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them day by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. God, is in, God cares about people enough that he's not just going to lead them out of bondage and he's not just going to protect them, but he's going to continue to lead them throughout their life. Now, this is a major difference in the Gathering Place Church than any other church I've been a part of in my life. So don't miss this. Y'all with me? This is why when people come to us to say, hey, what do I do about this situation in my life? That we say, you go to God and ask him what to do about this situation in your life. And he can speak to you in a way that you'll understand. That's why we don't take leadership out of the hands of our leaders. That's why Will and I and the other elders are not, we're not, not going to do all the stuff at the church. It's because you need to work out your own salvation. You need to work these things out with the Lord. He wants to lead you every day. He wants to guide you every day. He wants to speak into your life every day. He wants to take you all the way to the place of blessing. And you need to have those experiences yourself. What we know about Israel is that they were reluctant to follow Christ. And, and honestly, it wasn't until after the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost that the disciples uh, you know, really began to understand and, and, and that uh, God's people, who are now God's people because of salvation and not because they were uh, Jewish, that God's people were actually able to know him by walking with him in obedience. But what happens is, so many times, man, when people come, come to Christ again, we want to tell them everything to do and make sure that they're doing it. And we want to persuade them to do things uh, from the outside rather than allowing God to work on the inside and lead them and guide them. We are committed to that. We are committed to that as a gathering place to allow you to experience God yourself, to allow you to go to God, to help you to figure out how to go to God, how to hear God's voice, how to walk with God. We're committed to that because we love people. 
We love people enough that we want you to keep following God. Yeah, if you're following me, when I'm gone, you're gone. If you're, if you're following a pastor or another leader, rather than following God, we've, we have failed you. The good news is that God cares enough about people that He will lead them Himself. God cares enough about Israel that He commits to leading them Himself. The difference between Israel and Moses, though, is that Moses kept going to God to find out what to do. Israel just went to Moses. Y'all remember that? Over and over again in the Exodus story, we're going to see that when they come to a problem next week, we're going to see that when they come to the Red Sea, Israel panics because they don't know God. They haven't been walking with God personally. They're just walking with Moses. But Moses knows God. Moses goes to God every time. What do I do next? And God is faithful to lead. He's leading Israel through Moses at, this, at that point. But God wants Israel to come to him. And they never do until after Pentecost. We start seeing people coming to God, directly to God, into his presence when the temple veil was torn and we were able to walk into the presence of God and have fellowship with him and hear his voice and be motivated by who we discover when we obey him. God cares for people. And if we're going to join him to bring people out of bondage, we need to ask God to produce in us a genuine love for people. A deeper understanding and a deeper faith in him and a deeper love for others so that we can join God in bringing them out, protecting them from the enemy until their faith grows, using our own stories to remind them of the blessed life that God has for them, help them to stay the course and then helping them to see that it's God that wants to lead them. Now, if you haven't discovered those things yet, maybe you're still in bondage in some way today. Maybe you're still in bondage and, and you haven't really discovered the reality of, of that God loves you and God cares for you and he wants to bring you out of bondage. If you're here and, and you've never dealt with the, the issue of sin in your life, you need to know that the bondage that you're in is a bondage to a real enemy. His name is Satan. Sin binds us up. Satan uses that to bind us up. And if you're here today and you've never been set free from that, you know who you are. You recognize that. The sin, it, it, it controls you. Satan has your life in his hands. And God wants to free you up from that. All you need to do is just give and surrender to him. To just let him bring you out. It's a simple surrender. Asking God, receiving the free gift of salvation that God wants to give you. You're separated from God because of your sin. All of us are. But, but here's what God did. Even though we were separated, Scripture says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we can come back to the Father through Him. And the way He does that is He comes into our lives, He removes our sins, He gives us His Spirit that lives inside of us. And we are made right with God. And we are trading death for eternal life in that moment. If you've never done that, I want to invite you just to pray. Pray a prayer today. It doesn't, it's not a memorized prayer. It doesn't have the, have the right words. Just express your heart to God and say, God, take me out of the bondage to sin. Most of us have done that. But some of us are still in bondage to legalism. We're still stuck on 
rules and regulations. We still got lists that we follow. We're so we're thrown off if we don't follow the list right. And we act like the grace of God has, has not covered our sins. And I want to invite you out of bondage to, to, to that as well today. And as you come out of bondage, let's bring some people with us, right? Let's get into our world and join God in bringing people out of bondage. All right, they're all around us. We live in a place that's full of that kind of bondage. All right, I'm going to pray for us. Father, thank you that you set people free. That you cared about people. You made it clear when you spoke to Moses, when you were calling him. Lord, you made it clear to us that you're setting, that you want us to set people free. And that God, we are not uh, building a kingdom for ourselves, but we are joining you to, to make a difference in the lives of people. God, we've spent a lot of time in our lives, all of us here, have spent a lot of time in our lives caring about religion and caring about people acting right in performance and not caring about souls, not caring about lives. I pray that you'll change that today. God, that we would continue to see the example of how you love people as we go through the book of Exodus. And that we would find ourselves, God, loving you more because of it, but also we find ourselves being more loving towards the people that are around us who are stuck in bondage still. God, you've saved us. You've blessed us. You've given us such a wonderful personal relationship with you. Let that motivate us to offer that to those that that are dying right now, God, all around us. Motivate our hearts today to see people. Help us to see them, to hear them. See them with your eyes, hear them with your ears. To recognize their bondage and their oppression. And God, give us words um, as we trust in you to, to join you in bringing them out. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.